Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers podcast, where we bring on a new personality every week to sign a one-day contract and join the show. This week, you may notice uh, the intro sounds a lot worse because uh, our, our host, Nikki Wolf, is out sick tonight, and uh, I will be handling the hosting duties, and I will be doing a much worse job. For instance, the word duties made me giggle a little bit, but you know what? That's okay. We're going to rock and roll. My name is Josh Klein. Uh, I am the editor-in-chief of the Riot Report. And joining me, as always, is my good friend, Colin Hoggard. Big Hog, what's up, dog? What are you doing? Hey, man, how are you doing this evening? It's exciting to get to talk about a 3-0 and team. The possibilities seem limitless. I mean, they're on pace for 17-0, and so I think it's definitely going to happen. Um, They've been on worse paces. I'm just saying. I mean, when they put up the stat, we're going to talk about it. When they put up that stat, last time they went 3-0, and started the season 3-0, it was 2015. I mean, I think we all had the same thought, which was um, it's definitely happening again. Super Bowl. MVP for Sam Darnold um, and, uh, and Super Bowl for the Carolina Panthers. And then uh, tragic heartbreak when um, the Chiefs concuss Sam Darnold multiple times and uh, hit him in the helmet. Joining us this week, I will, uh, I, will, I will bring him in because we usually don't get to Panthers talk this fast. Usually Nikki guides us through with some sort of jokes and uh, we, we are able to, uh, to mess around. But we don't have time to mess around. Panthers are 3-0. They got the Cowboys coming up on Sunday. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's hurt. They just traded for C.J. Henderson. We got a lot to get to and we have not that much time to get to it. So joining us on the one-day contract this week is our good friend Jonathan Alexander beat writer for the Carolina Panthers from the Charlotte Observer, and uh, Charlotte native, Mallard Creek, in the house, yeah. Harding, Harding, I already forgot. We talked about uh, uh, which high school you went to, and I completely No, I went to both. I went to both. All right, good. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm always uh, glad to join you, and uh, congratulations. I, don't, I haven't said it on, you know, on your podcast, but congratulations on the new baby. The Thank dad look, looks good on you. Yeah, it, it, it leads to some uh, some bags under my eyes. Uh, I had the baby all day today. I was texting with Colin. Colin was like, are we still doing the show? I was like, dude, I'm, we're, yes. Like, just calm <laughs> down, all right? Get off my back. We'll get, the, we'll get these things out of here. It, like, there are moments when, uh, when you're ready for a glass of red wine at like 2 p.m. You're just like, you know I'm what? <laughs> Today's the day. We got it. We're, we're, ha- we're making this thing happen. Might be having a Manhattan as soon as she hits the bed. But um, she's a blessing. <laughs> she's the best. I love her. It's awesome. Um, Colin, what would you say your number one parenting tip is uh, for someone who has a four-month-old daughter right now? Um, I don't know if it's so much of a tip as it is an observation, um, but if you haven't gotten to this point yet, they don't have any friends and they don't, they don't go out. They are always there. And that's True. something that's that's good to keep in mind because when you're like, maybe tonight, you know, someone will call and be like, hey, could she come? Nope, that call doesn't come because the baby doesn't know anybody. So just be ready. She's always going to be there. It's true. And I, I'm glad that she's always there. I will, I will say she does have one friend and you're looking at him right here in this Zoom square. <laughs> I mean, I would consider myself her best friend. Um, maybe second best. I think she likes mom a little bit better than me, but you know, mom, mom brings by, more to the table. She? Yeah, she walk, exactly. She walked by. Yeah, figured. she could hear. Yeah, exactly. Mom, mom is definitely her best friend. I'm her best friend. I'm her best friend. <laughs> I had to lean into the mic to tell everybody that. 
Uh, let's <laughs> let's jump into it. Uh, Nikki usually wants to do a super important question, um, and uh, I want to bring my own super important question, which is. I'm going to Dallas this weekend for the Panthers-Cowboys game. Jonathan, I assume you're going as well. Um, what is the first thing that you think of when I say the word Texas to you? Um, I think of deserts and Cowboys. Um, okay. Standoffs. My one-word answer was hat. That was, that's actually yeah. – yeah, that's fair. I almost like barbecue was what jumped into my head, but like, I don't know whether that's just my, my, like, I haven't been on a way to an away game in two seasons. Uh, we didn't go on any last season. And, uh, and so I'm really like missing that jump into a city and like Google best food in Dallas and just like make a beeline for it. Like best barbecue Dallas that that is in my Google search history already. So I'm ready. Absolutely. Ready for what, that too. Absolutely. So uh, let, let's jump right into this here because there is a lot to talk about Panther-wise. Usually we do some news and notes. Uh, news and notes is probably going to be the majority of the first segment here because there's a lot of news and a lot of notes. So uh, let's let's get to it. C.J. Henderson, brand new Panther. The Panthers now have the both from 2020 draft. The seventh and the ninth pick are on their roster. What was your immediate reaction when the Panthers traded for C.J. Henderson, Colin? Well, you outlined the exciting part. The, the honest answer is I didn't know – I don't know the, the story about why he's not been playing. I don't know if it's frustration over the Urban Meyer regime, just the Jags, or, you know, the off-the-field stuff. And that's what gave me pause, just because I don't know that stuff. Um, I did I – was, I, I was a believer in him as a draft pick. But not as not in the same class really as as J.C. Horn. I saw him as a nice first round cornerback, more than a top ten cornerback. So I, I do view him as a little bit lower than than J.C. But if he's able to be on the field, and I, I, I you know you have to believe that they did their due diligence here. I'm excited about this for sure, Jonathan. So it's a third rounder and Dan Arnold for fifth rounder and CJ Henderson. I think you wrote about this yesterday in the observer um, two days ago due to the magic, uh, magic of podcasts. But um, what, how did this trade come to be? Tell us a little bit, walk us through that. Well, you know, JC Horn, you know, broke his foot three places and, you know, immediately they were looking for, for you know, potential replacement. So they reached out to a bunch of cornerbacks. Um, you know, Richard Sherman was one of them. We know that uh, CJ Henderson, you know, they had explored trades for C.J. Henderson in the past as early as August um, because the Jaguars had been shopping him around. And, uh, um, you know, they kept coming back to C.J. They liked the idea of it, and they were trying to come up with different scenarios of, uh, of what they could get for C.J. And they didn't want to give up Dan Arnold, but Jacksonville really wanted him. And, you know, the Panthers, you know, finally relented. You know, it certainly helped that Tommy Tremble. Um, you know, had a really good game this past game, and, and they see a lot of potential in him. And Ian Thomas um, has gotten more snaps than Dan Arnold. Uh, um, so that certainly helped aid in that decision. Um, you know, I think they have faith in those guys. But, you know, the opportunity was there to get somebody who was young, who they thought could pair well with J.C. Horn and, and Dante Jackson if they can sign him, um, you know, this offseason. 
and um, they jumped on it. They feel like, you know, they, they got a third round pick for next year, you know, and, um, you know, CJ definitely has some good upside. So we'll see how that goes. But that's how, that's how it came to be. Yeah, I think you you touched on a bunch of the stuff that we're going to kind of talk through as we uh, dive deeper and, and delve into this trade. But um, I think the main, there are a couple of takeaways from people's reactions that I saw on social media. The first one was, um, I think that uh, people may value Dan Arnold a lot more than what he actually maybe meant to this offense. Like this was a guy that had no more than three receptions any of the first three games was being out snapped by Ian Thomas, which I think a lot of, which would surprise a lot of people. And I think a lot of people got caught up in the Darnold to Arnold, like that whole storyline that happened in training camp. People talking about how he was going to be their security blanket. He didn't really end up being uh, Sam Darnold's security blanket. That, that, I mean, not surprisingly, that ended up being Christian McCaffrey, which we're also going <laughs> to talk about. Uh, but it also became DJ, DJ Moore. Moore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. DJ Moore is a guy that he looks to more than he looked to Dan Arnold. So when you think yes. about the idea that you can get that you just made your third round pick next year, CJ Henderson, that that's that that is very palatable to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he had only eleven targets um, this past year, and I think seven catches, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you know, that's not that doesn't you know signify go to guy. You know, and, um, you know, the biggest thing they brought him here was for to get touchdowns and he didn't have a single touchdown. And, you know, that's not to say that the Panthers didn't think highly of him, but, you know, I wouldn't sweat over the fact that they did, that they gave him away. It was interesting because I, I would have assumed, honestly, the part of the way this deal would have come together is Jacksonville softening what they would be willing to accept for CJ at this point in time, you know, given that we're, we're already into the season more so than the Panthers being the ones that were hesitant to complete this deal. Um, but again, you know, I, the off the field stuff still, still sticks out there, but the possibilities and the higher ceiling that you talked about with, with him over Dan Arnold, who for all that Dan Arnold, you know, was going to be or could have been here. There's one piece of it that he never really fit. And that's the physical piece of the, uh, you know, that they, that they're looking for. And particularly out of that tight end position, you already mentioned it. That Trimble's game, I think, certainly helps them, um, you know, get him into the lineup. But I, I, it's not crazy to say that potentially a fill-in for J.C. Horn added, but that value is certainly higher than your second tight end and second at best. And, and that may only be because it's early in the season. Yeah, I mean, if you can bring in an, an elite – if CJ Henderson has like a 20% chance of being an elite corner, which he was drafted ninth overall, the Panthers thought hard about him at seven overall. I think had they ended up trading down last year, he would have been their target. I mean, we saw uh, Bill Voth tweeted out that, that that Panthers digital had gone so far as to create a, uh, um, a video welcoming CJ Henderson and, and Roger Goodell calling his name from the podium. So like they, that, that was how far along it was. I think he was, from from what I understood last year, he was one of the three guys that they were really considering at seven. So um, now to be able to get him, and I do think in Jacksonville, there is a little bit of that like new regime, like Urban Meyer, he comes in, Urban Meyer didn't draft him, and, and Urban Meyer is doing the same thing that Matt Rule did last year. It's like, this is not my guy. I, I don't, whatever is happening off the field, he doesn't really like it. Feels like maybe he's a little injury prone, and he's just like, you know what? Let's wipe the slate clean. I'm going to go coach at USC in two months anyway, so I don't care. 
Yeah. I mean, I, and that's probably definitely what happened. And But I think I just think it's crazy that how you give up on a player, a top 10 player, after just one year. Like, he's tw- – like, when I, I – I wasn't familiar with C.J. Anderson because this is only my second year covering the NFL, but when I – so, I mean, C.J. Henderson, I'm sorry. This is my second year, but when I, when I saw that, that it was a former first-round pick, I'm thinking 2017, 2018 maybe. Um, but uh, this guy's 2020, so that's that's definitely – I think it's fair to be kind of concerned about it. But obviously he wasn't an Urban Meyer guy, you know, like you said. Obviously there was some type of disagreement there. You know, I've talked to some people who say, you know, C.J.'s kind of – some people in the Panthers organization say, like, C.J.'s – a very quiet guy, like super to himself, um, chill guy. Like he's a different type of cat. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that didn't jive well with Urban Meyer and his style. Yeah. I, I also think that it's, it's worth noting that Dan Arnold was an acquisition this season. Someone went to bat for him, to, for this organization to spend money on him within the last calendar year. And yet they did what – they think is right for the team. And, and, and certainly the J.C. Horn injury may have, may have pressed this a little bit. But we, if you were just to take this and say you've got two top ten or two first-round cornerbacks and, and, they're, and they're, they're rookies, that they're just going to grow together, the, the timeline for this team and this defense, man, come on. This is looking great. I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel otherwise. I know J.C.'s hurt, but, you know, thankfully it wasn't the Achilles. Thank yeah, you. I mean, I, thank you, online doctors. Yeah, the yeah. Well, I, it's hard to diagnose breaking three metatarsals from from the from the sky cam, but still. Um, Did you guys know it was possible to do that, like to break three bones in that way without being either old or in a violent collision? Uh, that's what happened to Terrace Marshall in college. Um, I don't know how many bones he broke, but he broke his his, uh, his metatarsal just running. I, so that's I, that's I, the only I reason even, I knew. Yeah. I didn't know that was even a thing. It kind of seems like, um, like when you have like a, like it, it just, yeah. I, I was trying to come up with a, like an analogy of like a chicken bone where it just kind of like, where you're like eating a drumstick and you just kind of like snap it accidentally. But that's not really the same thing. Like it's just turning your foot for a different way. Like it's just, no, it's crazy. It's, it's such a freak injury. And Matt rule described it that way. Like that was, that's exactly what it was. It was a freak injury. And I'm again, glad that it's not Achilles because broken bones, they heal and you're fine. It's not a Jones fracture. It's not a Liz Frank fracture. It's just the top three. So, um, though, that is a good sign for next year. And just like you said, Colin, you bring in another first round pick, another 22 year old corner. And if he turns out to be 60% of what you think he's going to be, now you have, you know, two young corners on a rookie on rookie deals. You have Jeremy Chin on a rookie deal. You have Brian Burns on a rookie deal. You have Derek Brown on a rookie deal. We're going to talk about um, kind of how this fits all fits into the overarching plan for the Carolina Panthers. Um, but I do, I am curious if you guys think that this signifies the end of the road uh, for Dante Jackson in a Carolina Panthers uniform. Unequivocally, no. Yeah, I don't think necessarily. I think. You know, just based on, on what we've learned, you know, the Panthers really do want Jonte Jackson back. Um, and I think they'll try to get a deal done. It's just a matter of whether the two sides can reach an agreement, whether they can find that correct number. Um, so I don't think it's the end for Dante Jackson. Um, I mean, it certainly helps. Like if, if CJ does work out, if they can't reach an agreement for Dante, then they can slide him in. But I definitely think that they – 
want or know they want to bring Dante back. Yeah, I, I think, uh, Jonathan, I agree with you. I think we both know that they want Dante back. To me, I think it's a question of whether Dante would say to himself, hey, man, listen, you guys just traded for another corner. You just drafted another corner. I'm a guy that wants to play. I want to play 100% of the snaps. I don't want to play nickel. I want to be on the outside. I want to be the number one corner. Like, that's what he wants. I mean, that's mm-hmm. certainly his attitude, certainly what he has brought to the table. And so, I, you know, I wonder if this would almost be like a Curtis Samuel type situation where the Panthers want to bring him back. It's just a matter of like, you know what, I, I got I to gotta spread my wings and fly. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's, the, that's a, certainly a, a fair scenario, particularly if the, you know, the price tag gets high. It certainly, depending on how well, you know, CJ plays may help or, you know, help lower that ceiling that you're willing to go to to, to pay him. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I agree. But, you know, when, when I look back on it, you know, Dante Jackson has grown so much in a couple of years. I think if the Panthers could promise him, you know, a role where he plays very often, um, I think he would be all right with it. But I do, I could see a scenario where they say, oh, we want you to play nickel. And, you know, CJ is that outside guy because he's done so well. So you know, I, I don't know exactly how he – will feel about that that's you know that's definitely a good point yeah i think yeah i think if, if there's a if there's a departure especially based on his play to start this season it would be him departing for more money than we're willing to offer i think that's probably it which you know what like that that happens you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like a guy outplays his contract he outplays like how much you're willing and and a good gm which is which is what fitter appears to be at least you know eight months into the job makes preparations for that kind of stuff and says to himself, Hey, okay. So not only did JC Horn get hurt, but now I can get a guy that just in case Dante does decide that he wants to leave or gets offered a ton of money. We have somebody ready to slide in. We're not counting on Stan Thomas Oliver. We're not counting on Keith Taylor. We're not counting on, you know, AJ Bouye to be bet to be play like he did in 2017. So I think that, I think that does have something to do with it, but I, I think it's more about what Dante wants to do rather than what the Panthers want to do in terms of that, that relationship. Yeah, I, I'm very one of you know we're talking about learning fitter, learning rule, even learning you know Coach Snow and his defense. You know, they, they, it's clear they want fast players, they want physical players. I I feel like on this back half of this defensive unit, what they're going for is almost like a the old the death lineup from the Warriors, where everybody could switch and everybody could do everything. And I, with with Chin and, and yeah, of course, you know your guys are going to play their primary roles as much as possible. But the idea of having these interchangeable parts, I think that's what they're going for, and and I think they got to be pretty close to getting there. Yeah, is it? Yeah, Phil Snow was a guy who, you know, truly values guys who can play multiple positions and can be used in different ways, and guys who aren't selfish too. I mean, he, he, anytime we'll ask him about the cornerback rotation, he'll say, well, we'll use a rotation of these three. So, uh, you know, that's, that's very true. And, and you're seeing a lot of guys like Brian Burns and Jeremy Chin and J.C. Horn was moved some of the nickel when um, um, somebody went down, oh, when, you know, early in the season. So, you know, they, they're, you know, you know, building into that mold. And, and that's why right now they have the number one defense in the league. And just to be just to be clear, what I'm saying when I say that these guys can do it all, they come up and make plays in the run game. You can mm-hmm. send them on a blitz. You can have them cover most, you know, most guys. The ability to do 
those all, those three things and and be interchangeable. I, I I love what they're building back there, and I think it allows you to play different schemes that people aren't anticipating because you you move you're moving your strengths around. I'll, I'll be I'll be curious to see what C.J. Henderson is like in run support because that's like his big the big knock on him coming out last year in the draft was that he didn't like to come up and tackle. He wasn't very good at it. Um, and even the past year, and when you when you read Jaguars Twitter, there that does exist. When you look at like people, when they were like that guy never wanted to come up and make a tackle, and like you know every now and then he kind of reminds me a little bit of like the the early years of Dante Jackson. Like at least the reaction and kind of the film breakdown that you heard from him for the first couple of years was like this guy comes up, he tries to do, he tries to you know take out their legs, and like to, like doesn't want to go up and form tackle somebody. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he does that. And I think he's going to play. I think he's going to start on Sunday. Like, I think he's going to be in the mix and play a lot, a lot. And and to the point, is this the end for Dante here? If CJ continues to have that scouting report, it's not going to affect Dante at all because Dante will be the one that gets, that gets the contract here. It's true. Uh, we, we talked about Phil Snow. Do you guys think that there's any physical aspect that you could beat Phil Snow at? Like Phil Snow is 65 years old. Like, do you think you could do more push-ups, pull-ups, run faster than Phil Snow, uh, like bench squat more than Phil Snow? Because my my answer is no. I don't think I could. <laughs> I feel like I could I could beat Phil Snow in a race, but other than that, he'd beat me in all the other stuff. Like what kind of race? Like a 40? Like a like, four or like a long-term uh, race? Yeah, like, like a, a distance. Like a 40 or or a mile run. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he maybe maybe beat me a, in a 5K. I don't know that mile run. It feels like he eats mile mile runs for breakfast. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want that. I could, see. I don't need. I don't need that mental image in my head of getting dusted I, by. I concede the. I concede the bench press because he looks like he can live. I mean, I can live too, but he looks like he can. You know, he he's Jack. So I concede on everything else. It have to be one on one. My knees aren't the same as they used to be when they were twenty something years old. So <laughs> I definitely can't saying, do. It. Though. That's what he would yeah, say. But His knees are not the my same. My left knee. Oof. You feel Pretty like you sure. could beat Phil Snow one on one in basketball, say, Colin? Yes, that's that's my answer. That's my one shot, right? I think that's my one 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 shot. Are you going to post him up, or are you going to try and go all by day, him? baby? All day. We live. See, I feel here. like Phil Snow is going to eat you for breakfast. He is not going to let you in the paint. Yeah, you have to that's, fine. that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm like I'm like a I'm like a judo master down there on the post. You try and use that force against me, spin it off. Whoop, dipsy doo, baby. Let's do this. Come on, come on, coach. No, I'll show you what I'm working with. I feel like that's that you like go in all hyped up and you're like backing him down, and then it's like oh, uh, twelve nothing. Like just immediately, just like are we doing skunk rules just, or what? Like, What's going just, on? He's just raining corner threes on me. Then you know, all right, it is what it is. Um. Uh, let's let's uh, I, I want to talk about um, the trade of Dan Arnold and what it means for the tight end position at Carolina. What what um, do you think? I mean, obviously, we saw Tommy Tremble have a big game on Thursday. I don't think that I think a lot of people were like, hey, he had this good game on Thursday. That's why they traded Dan Arnold. Like, I think that that helps. But like, I don't think it was like, well, now that we see it, we can do it. Um, I, do you think that this means more snaps for Tremble? Do you think it kind of stays the same? Do you think like. Ian Thomas continues to be that number one guy that's on the field a lot, or do you think Tremble eventually overtakes him? I think Ian Thomas stays at number one. Um, I don't think Ian Thomas has been, you know, very bad. Um, 
he definitely does that. You know, I don't think Sam Donald's targeted him very much. But, you know, I think what they've seen from him, they've liked well enough. Um, but I do think Tommy Chumma will get more snaps. They, they, they've used some two tight end sets. So, um, you know, Tommy Trummel's snap count will go up and he'll have that opportunity to prove himself. But I can't, I don't see him overtaking Ian Thomas. Um, I just think Ian Thomas has done well enough that he will stay in that spot. We've seen Tommy Trumbull a very limited amount, you know, in his rookie campaign here. We also saw him get obliterated on a block on Thursday night. And yet, I think all three of us will agree, he's a better blocker than Dan Arnold. So, <laughs> like, even with that tape that we saw on Thursday night, we'll all say, so he, he has to improve his play, but I think it's within his capability to improve his play. And I, I think it's, he'll be the second option. Um, I don't think he's taking, I don't think he'll pass Ian though. Not this year. I feel like I could have, I could have listed a hundred different types of plays before I got to Tommy Tremble sweep in the red zone for <laughs> plays that I thought were going to be successful and slash called like the idea that, that Joe Brady is like, you know what, let's dial up that Tremble sweep at like, is just insane to me. And it worked and like, great, good for him. I'm glad that it did work, but like, man, if it didn't, uh, we would have had some things to say about those red zone play calling. And oh that's my why, goodness. Yeah. That's why you can't pay attention to us. If you're an OC, you have to ignore us. You need to unsubscribe temporarily. If you're a professional OC. Don't unsubscribe you- Joe, just, just click, click play, let it play for five seconds. And then as soon as the, as soon as the intro ends, stop it. Cause we get that one play and that's really all that counts. We just want the download. We want the click. You don't have to listen. <laughs> It's a great point, though, because it absolutely is the type of play that if it doesn't work, then it gets cited as proof, as evidence, you know. So it's a good point by you. Look, they've had red zone issues. I don't mind them dipping into the creativity basket here because trying to do it the normal way has has not been, you know, has not been great. And we'll see going forward. Where's Terrace Marshall been in the red zone? Where's – I mean – like, Terrace Marshall's a rookie. Y'all need to remember this. This young man's a rookie. I mean, still, they spent his top 50 pick. And I like I like his talent. I, I think there are more opportunities to go to him. And they probably should take advantage. He's just such a big body and has so much talent. Um, I think they do need to try. You know, they had that one opportunity at time. And I think he – no, I think Sam Donald overshot him. But um, I think he is a good option there in the in res. I like Terrace Marshall. I like what I've seen from him so far. I'm not, I'm not trying too. to, I, just, to be, just to be clear. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah I like no, no. him, I'm but saying... I want to see him get the ball more inside, yeah. like in the end zone, throw it up, to yeah. him, throw the fade. Yeah. I don't like that, an yeah, end zone that... fade, but if you're going to do it, let's do it with Terrace Marshall. Yeah, for sure. They need to, they need to find more ways to get him the ball when they're in the red zone. You don't get to say, I don't like the fade and then advocate for the fade. You have to be firm in the stance of not liking the fade because it is not a great play unless you have a Terrace Marshall. The, the I like, point I'm I like my, I like my end zone throws the way i like my haircuts i don't like the fade unless it works is that good does that work is that is that a good joke i don't know that's not great it's not good i'll edit it out my point about him being a rookie they're breaking in sam darnold it's it's been clear they 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 had the kid gloves on him they're trusting cmc to lead this offense um which we're going to get to of course but this i you don't you you get to bring these rookies along slowly in my opinion and and then especially when you add the Darnold component over top of it, it, it the re- that's a perfect reason not to have seen, you know, Trimble and Marshall 
yet. Especially you don't you don't. There's other things you don't trust already. You don't add extra rookies to that. I like the idea of again. You know, this is a marathon season now, 17 weeks, and I think they have been pretty firm on their trajectory of seeing it that way. And I think that speaks again to the increasing usage of the rookies. Well, talk about when you talk about uh, rookies being used a lot. Um, we're going to see one be used a lot on Sunday against Dallas. That's what the kids call a professional segue into Chuba Hubbard will most likely be getting not only the start, but a lot of the carries on Sunday as Chris McCaffrey hurts his hamstring. And we'll get to Chuba in a second. But my question is this. Uh-uh. You don't get to pat yourself on the back for the segue and fail to mention that you could have said CMC usage is being questioned as the reason for his injury. Damn it. You're right. Let's take it right, again. Continue on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Come back, Nikki. Come back. I know. Well, she's she's a pro. I'm I'm just uh just a fill in. I'm the Chuba Hubbard to her Christian McCaffrey in this in this well scenario. Put. Well put. Um, uh and I, I think that my question is a lot of people outside of Carolina uh, outside of the Carolinas, outside of maybe my own Zoom box, are now labeling Christian McCaffrey as injury prone. Do you feel that way? I do not. But I also understand that perception. But I do think this team was overly careful with them last year. And to include the pump fake where you did the media with you guys and then didn't play later that week with the whatever whatever the, the contusion was or whatever. The hips so, that he hurt in, in while he was training personally. Walking down, yeah, in the you elevator. You can't see. I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. But, yeah. My point being – they were extra careful with them last year. They knew they weren't going anywhere yet last year. They didn't want to use them this season. They didn't feel like they were going anywhere with them. So I think they were being overly cautious with them. At the same time, you know, it, I, I was thoroughly disappointed when that, when we, you know, when he was ruled out. Because, because this is a thing. It's a thing for sure. Injury prone is a harsh term to kind of use for Christian. You know, he was healthy up until that point. Um, you know, I think he dealt with a lot of injuries last year, and then this year this hamstring. You know, I don't know if I would call him injury prone. Um, you know, it's I think he's a running back. You know, running backs get hurt, take a number of hits, they run a lot. Um, you know, this was a Sunday to Thursday night game, which I don't know. I still don't know why they. Play. I mean, I know why they play, but they shouldn't play Thursday night games for health reasons. Um, but. I wouldn't call him injury prone, but you know he's he's feeling the effects of being a running back. Like, what running back has gone through their whole career and not has some type of injury? Um, now, if he was to say, if he was to continue to get injured this year and the next year, then maybe you could call him injury prone. But I think he's a guy who takes care of his body, and he just had some unlucky setbacks these like past couple of years. If anything, I think I'm concerned that he hasn't played enough football recently. Like, has he trained too much? Is that, you know, like, I don't, I'm more concerned about that aspect of it, I think, than him, the idea that his body's breaking down. Yeah, I don't think his body is breaking down. I'm curious where Jonathan comes down on the workload usage uh, argument that that we seem to have every week about Chris McCaffrey. But um, it's it's an interesting point, because I think last year he overtrained himself, and that's why he got hurt. Um, He admitted it. I mean, I, I don't think it. He said it. Those words came out of his mouth. So, um, I, yeah. I think that is, that is certainly something to, something to think about, but Jonathan, a lot of people, you know, they, they look at, they point to Christian and they're like, this guy's getting 30 touches a game and this is why he ends up 
straining his hamstring or hurting his shoulder last year or uh, hurting his hip while um, cavorting. Uh, how, how do you feel about Chris McCaffrey's usage? Um, do you feel like he's being used too much, not enough, just right? Well, it's a, a Goldilocks situation. You get the Goldilocks choices. I don't think they're using him a little bit too much. I mean, 59 touches in two games is a lot. Um, but, you know, he's our best player. He gives him the best chance to win. Um, but, however, I do think there are other opportunities to get somebody like Robbie Anderson involved. Um, you know, Anderson only has 11 targets in three games and five catches. Um, I think though there's, there's an area where they could go away from McCaffrey. Now, you know, it would be nice if, if Chuba Hubbard had put, you know, and Royce Freeman had been a little better in those first couple of games, um, you know, that would give the Panthers more incentive to use them, but they hadn't really played well. So I think they were doing kind of what they had to do, aside from the fact that they probably need to use Robbie Anderson a little bit more. And, and Coach Rule said as much, you know, about about using Robbie more. So I do expect to see him utilize more going forward. And I do think that, you know, it, it seemed like 30 was right, you know, was right around that number. I think that was going to be the number that was going to be their average workload. And if they could afford to, they would try and dial it back. But again, you know, going back to the bringing Sam Darnold and trying to rebuild this young man's confidence, I do think that they intentionally leaned on, on, on Christian. And I think it's a good usage of him to, to get your quarterback comfortable. Um, and obviously maybe we're ripping, a, you know, bubble wrap off quicker than we hope we wish we were. Um, but I definitely think that, that Darnold's in a much better place now than he was week one. Yeah, as somebody asked me who has to step up now that Christian is out, um, and uh, my immediate reaction, and I think after I had a chance to think about it, I changed it, but my immediate reaction is Sam Darnold. Like, like this is – you brought in this guy. You're rehabbing his career. You think he can be the quarterback of the future. He's young. He's He has played well through the first three games. Now he has his first big test on the road at Dallas. Like, if somebody has to – and, you know, Christian's not going to be there. Now's the time. Like, here's your chance. Put the team on your back. Show, show that you can lead this offense uh, without its best player for a few weeks and uh and pull some wins out because that that is what you are going to have to do if you're going to be more than just a mediocre quarterback uh if you're going to be you know in that upper third uh of quarterbacks um do you think that do you think that's absolutely necessary are we putting too much pressure on just the four we a week four game uh, it seems I don't know if we're putting too much pressure on a week four game. I think I think one of us may be putting a little bit too much pressure. I don't think that's that. Sam's listening. He's Sam. listening. He's listening. I don't think for sure. Sam. I don't think there's a lot of pressure on you, dog. You're listening. I know you are. You're a quarterback. You should also unsubscribe from this podcast. Probably it's it's it, to be honest with you, we're probably partly responsible for Teddy, but that's that's for the behind the curtain <laughs> episode. Point being, I don't think I don't think with this defense now maybe different this week. I don't think with this defense you're asking – I'm not asking Sam to be that guy. If I'm asking someone to step up, it's more the defense and the, accu- yeah. the accumulative – you know, whether it's Joe Brady scheming it up and the, the accumulation of my wide receiving weapons and all my receiving weapons. You know, this is a chance. Hey, Terrace, guess what? One of the vets is down. We need someone to step up. Here we go, Rook. This is how it works. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Sam Darnold does have to – I mean, he doesn't. Feel, he says he doesn't feel like he has to take on more, but I, I think he does. And when I say take on more, I mean he has to do a better job of finding 
you know, his receivers, taking care of the football. Um, the defense definitely has to be as good. I think the defense is doing all it can to win games. But I think Sam Darnold does have to hit his receivers. He, he He's missed on some opportunities, uh, particularly to Robbie Anderson. Yep. I looked at the film on all 11 of those targets, and he missed them four times. Uh, three were deep passes. One where they just weren't on the same page. So I think Sam Darnold does have to be better, more crisp, um, because you don't have your safety blanket um, there. And I think the defense and the offensive line has to protect better, too. Yeah. Not only that. To be clear, I think he's going to have to take on more in the absence of CMC. I'm saying I don't. I'm not asking him to be a top third quarterback as you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as your discussion, Josh. And not at this point. Well, the the it's not just the 11 targets too. I mean, I mean he missed him wide open at least twice during the Texans game for touchdowns, probably. So it's yeah, like those yeah. those are the kind of things that he and I and I believe I could be wrong because I'm I, I haven't watched I haven't I didn't rewatch those specific plays to check, but I'm pretty sure he checked down to McCaffrey both times instead of going deep yeah. to Anderson. So it's like I rem- yeah. I remember one of those because I remember seeing the in- I remember seeing the in person and immediately catching it. I don't remember the second one, but on one of those he definitely checked down and McCaffrey got an 8 yard gain. Um but he Robbie was wide open in the middle of the field. Um easily could have been the touchdown if he had just avoided one black person who was parked out deep. And say I'm I'm excited about that because that just means that there's there's room to for this to grow for this offense to continue to score points to find it you know more more answers um, you know hopefully while CMC is out and yeah I I think Darnold has intentionally been conservative but I think that's been the message I think this is a building process and we do have to remember that this is a guy that they are trying to rebuild um, and and I think they've been intentionally conservative and probably uh, you know and, but at the same time Rule said he wants them to take that shot. I think that now because CMC's out, you probably are going to have to take more of those shots and you're going to have to connect on them to win this game particularly. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that you watched Dallas on Monday night. Um, I'm sure we did. We all did. Um, and you look at the, the offense and the playmakers that they have, like they were impressive against the Philly uh, against that Philly team, but also like they allowed some pressure. Like Dak was under duress for a fair amount of that game and the Philly defensive line is is good. I mean, they have Fletcher Cox. They they have some talent up there, but they're not. They don't get after the quarterback the way the Panthers do. So I, I think that it's it is on this. In terms of Week Four, it's going to be on the Panthers' defense to produce not only get some stops, but you know they're going to need a couple turnovers in order to overcome the loss of Christian McCaffrey um, and and hand Dallas a loss in Dallas, especially. And I also think that you know. It's weird. It's weird the way that narratives go because I think that had Chris McCaffrey been healthy and J.C. Horn been healthy and the Panthers gone had gone into Dallas and lost, it would have been like, well, same old Panthers can't win the big game. But it almost takes a little bit of pressure off of them, if that makes sense. Like if they go into Dallas and they're not able to win, it's like, well, still three and one came out of the first quarter three and one, um, and you know Christian's going to be back in a few weeks, and, and we can kind of turn this thing back up. Um, I, I'm so I, I think there is you know, there, there's a, almost, I guess, not a silver lining, but there's, there's a good and a bad to both of these guys being out um, for this week's game. Yeah. And then the Dallas Cowboys, they'd probably be planning for how the Panthers like to use Christian. And now Panthers game plan is going to be looking totally different. Um, Good point. That might help. This, this matchup between uh, um, Kellen Moore, 
the, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys and, and Phil Snow is going to be fascinating. I know we talked a lot about Peyton V. Snow before. This is going to be a good one. Um, when you think about pre-snap motion, you saw a lot of it last night with what the Panthers try and do and confuse things, you know, confuse quarterbacks versus um, versus their use of tempo. I think this is going to be a really interesting matchup, and, and I think there'll probably be some there'll probably be some big plays for for both sides. Yeah, we're we're I, before we get into that Dallas game, I want to ask you guys about the aggressiveness of the front office and how this has been, Jonathan. You you had one year of Marty Herney here at Carolina. Um, but for, for Colin and I, who have been around the team for, since the inception, um, the answer has always been on the roster for, for the past quarter century. Like, you know, a uh, guy goes down, it's fine. We'll pick up – here comes Rashawn Melvin. Like, here comes uh, Stan Thomas Oliver. Here comes a guy that's on the practice squad that you never heard of. Um, it, it's very rare that they would be this type of team that is like, okay, we need help. We're going to go out and get it. And it's, it's such a change in mindset. And I'm curious kind of what, how you feel about that, that type of mindset. And if you think that that is a, is a recipe for success. Yeah. Well, I think I I really do think it's indicative of how they view this team. Um, You know, last year, you know, they weren't a team that was going to win or go to the playoffs. They weren't, especially when Christian went down. Um, but, you know, they were very too young. But, you know, this team is more experienced and they've shown that they're really good. So I think all of those moves are are with the mindset that we could win now. So we we could be aggressive. Um, you know, these some of these moves certainly still do have future in mind, but they're immediate. And, and the Panthers want to win now and they're going to make these moves to win now. And, um, you know, just by the way they're playing, they have the team to do it. Incredible quote from Rule too. The I don't know what win now means. I, I try to win every game. Like it's just such just such a coach thing to say. Like it yeah, was, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. I loved it. That's yeah. that's typical rule. <laughs> yep. David Tepper still has not won, and until he wins, they are going to continue to be hyper aggressive. In fact, I would not be shocked if they traded the first round pick if they were able to secure a left tackle. I don't think there'd be many other positions that they would trade that first round pick, but if over the next month or so, they were able to secure someone they felt could anchor this, this offensive line left tackle, I firmly believe they would trade that first round pick and we would sit out the first two days of the draft a year after we accumulated picks and made a bunch of picks. I think it would have to be like a young, talented left tackle. Like, I don't think they would do that for somebody who was older. If he was young and he was, like, really promising, I think that. But I do think they really do value their first-round pick. I, 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 don't, I don't think anybody would give up a really young, talented left tackle. And I, So I can't see the Panthers giving up, to be honest. In my opinion, I can't see them giving up a first-round pick. They would have to give up a first-round pick for a quarterback with Deshaun Watson's caliber. I think that would be the only way they would give up a first-round pick. Uh, I mean, just to be clear, I would agree with that. Like, if they were to find a left tackle that they felt like could anchor the the line, do it. Like, get out there and do it. I was I was in favor of the Deshaun Watson trade before everything came out about Watson. Um, I feel like if there's talent and you can change your you can 
change your roster with somebody that's proven that he can do it in the NFL and go out and do it um, because so much of, so much of the draft is a crapshoot. And it's interesting because it is that Seattle mindset, that, that mindset where, val- where draft picks are just not as valuable as maybe we think they are to the, to the Seattle front office and now to the Carolina front office. And that's where I think we have to be careful because unlike with the old regime and unlike with the NFL of old, we knew the, st- we knew the book, right? We knew what the standard operating procedure was that for them most of the time. If they went out and got a Jared Allen, it meant they felt like they had a title shot that year. They felt like they were – if you made that kind of move, it meant, like you, it, th- it meant like you were in the mix. Nowadays, that's not the same because you have to remember, this is a young roster with a lot of guys that are going to look to get paid. Do we need more young guys that are looking to get paid? Or do we go and make a trade? This is this is start. This is you know we talk about the capologist. This is part of the stuff that they do all the time and have to prepare this stuff. At some point, you don't want to have another first round pick with a guaranteed six million dollars. You'd rather give that to Dante Jackson or whomever it is at that point in time. And it's not saying that you devalue it. It's about assessing where your roster is at that particular time and what guys over the next several years you're looking at. You're looking to pay. So uh, I, I think I think it I, I think it would change depending on the situation. I don't think this is a hard and fast like it was with the old the old guard, if you will. And it does seem like they have. I mean, you know, Fitterer said specifically they have a whiteboard with the next three years planned out of whose turn it is to get to get a um, to get a contract extension. And when you look at who's on the roster and who these next who who the next guys are and you look at like okay so like Burns is a star, right? So Burns is probably going to he's going to be up for negotiation I think after next season. So it's like you have to lock him up probably that probably as soon as you can just like with Christian McCaffrey. So it's like they're thinking about these things in the future. And it's funny, I had somebody say to me, um, do you think because I made a big deal about how Fitterer has this whiteboard in his office and he, and he plans this thing in the future and, uh, and, and kind of how refreshing it is to hear that from the GM. And somebody was like, well, do you think that Marty just didn't have that plan? And I was like, well, he didn't tell anybody about it if he did. And so if I, I, I don't think that Marty Herney was flying by the seat of his pants, but there are some times where it certainly seemed like he was. And it does not seem like Scott Fitterer um, – in terms of contracts, at least, is flying by the seat of his pants. It seems like he does think a few years into the future, uh, at least for right now. There it is. That's the key. Scott Fitter hasn't hasn't had a season. He hasn't had to endure these things. We'll have to see how he goes through a season where he has injuries, where he has this or that or whatever it is. We'll get to, we'll get to evaluate Scott Fitter in time. I, I don't think this is the time to be doing that, though. I mean, I know we're trying to learn him, and that's that's fun, but I don't think – I don't think it's the time to try and evaluate him and the way he deals with different different circumstances. No, I mean we that's not Colin, I'm not sure if you've listened to the podcast before. We evaluate him after every single roster move. So I'd like to talk now about the elevation from Sam Tecklenburg to the from the practice squad to the active roster and how you guys would rate grade that from F minus to A plus uh, and what it means for the rest of Scott Federer's career. No, let me joking. let me go let me grab the fitometer and see where let's see where it's <laughs> slowly filling up the fitometer with more <laughs> trades uh like you're, you're you're keeping a temperature um i i so let's talk about this dallas game because it's obviously uh it's going to be wednesday when most people are listening to this there is going to be a ton over the next few days oh go ahead 
I just want to I just want to talk about one thing about this about the the, the philosophy. It, it is going to be interesting to see what they you know is this going to be a, a stars and 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 guys team? Is that how this is going to be built? Kind of kind of like the Rams, but they've talked about wanting depth, and it is interesting to talk about wanting depth. And one of the ways you can do that is what we saw them do in the previous draft, and this kind of does go counter to that because this is some of the capital that you can use to develop that depth potentially. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how they, they achieve that depth going forward, or is this really going to be more, more kind of like a, a Ram situation? I don't feel like they gave up that much in this trade. Like, I feel like the, like they moved down what 50 spots in this trade specifically, like the Jags are going to be terrible. Jags are going to be drafting near the top of the fifth round. Panthers theoretically hope that they'll be drafting in the teens of the third round. You know, you add in comp picks and all that stuff. Like, I don't feel like they moved down that far in the draft. And also, like, the way that we've seen them handle draft picks, it seems clear that he's going to, at very least, he's going – at the end of day two next year, you can bet that he's going to say the words, well, we were able to get that pick back that we traded to Jacksonville for C.J. Henderson – somehow whatever they have to do whether they're just pushing the stuff in the future like it feels like that is what they're going to do yeah that that'll be a turnoff sorry i i listen that'll be a turnoff if they if they end up needing a, a rob peter to pay paul constantly team I, I i don't i'm not a fan of that yeah i, I can eat. yeah at some point they're gonna i mean they're gonna end up trading some of their back later pick round picks to get it in earlier picks so I, I agree i was gonna say that same thing who do you think they would trade on this roster? Right. So, could the other thing is that they're they're also they've shown that they are very willing to trade guys that maybe have not lived up to expectations, or they're just like they don't fit exactly the way they thought. Like Denzel Perriman, who uh, obviously like wasn't a culture fit, but like also just wasn't a size fit. Like they they like uh like they, they like they like big linebackers, and Denzel Perriman's not big. So um, I think that you know. When, when, uh, like there, there, there may be somebody in the next few weeks. They're like, oh, they traded, uh, oh, uh, Pat Elfline went for like a fifth round pick. Maybe not Elfline because I'm not sure he would get a fifth round pick. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a guy on this roster that could get traded out in the next four weeks. And I think that goes to my point about the, about Fitter. And this goes, this, but this in case, in this case, we're talking about rule because last year we were talking about how. To hear Whitehead, the only reason he was playing is because he, he was coached by Matt Rule at Temple, and that that's why he stuck with him, and that's why he kept going with him. And now you fast forward a year, and Denzel Perryman has gone before the first game. So that's what I'm saying about the scouting report, trying to figure out who these guys are. We have to we have to watch them over an extended period of time. Well, no, were you were you asking like who, who would they trade if they if there was a trade? Oh yeah, you know I like hypothetical questions. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? I, I, th- I think it would have to be somebody where there was a position that was deep or it would be a really good special teams player. Uh, let me see. They're really deep at cornerback when healthy. Um, They're pretty Troy, deep at Troy Pride. Is Troy Pride? I, I don't know if anybody would take him, but yeah. I'm sure they would offer him. Great <laughs> um, <Yeah>. an injury <laughs> Sorry. player. Sorry, Troy, if you're listening. I mean, oh no, when he's when he's like next year. I mean, next year. But I mean, if you're asking within the next couple of weeks, I don't know. I, I, it would have to be somebody who was like doing really good on special teams, and and a team really needs that position. And the Panthers felt like they were deep enough to compensate for that. So, but I I, I haven't identified anybody realistically, so I'm not really sure. 
Maybe like a defend, like a defensive end, like a Marquis Haynes. Like has Marquis Haynes gotten any playing time? How about how about Etor Gross Matos that's been battling injury all the time? Now we're just throwing out just like this. This is the kind of thing that like theoret like a, a, an aggregator is going to be like. Well, the Jonathan Alexander, yeah. Josh Klein say that Etor Gross Matos <laughs> is on the trading block. Colin Hoggard <laughs> says. Yeah, let's 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 avoid being aggregated. But I mean, those are good trade options. But I do like Marquise Haynes. I like them and use him a little bit more. Yeah, I'm you not. Know, I'm, not are, try, I'm not. I'm not trying to tinker with the the, the chemistry that this team's got going. I mean, it's one that's thing a really to trade Dan Arnold, I, but particularly on a, a, a defense. Like, no, no, no. Let's just keep this thing. I mean, I really felt like the C.J. Henderson was was an addition, not not a not a tinkering, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I, I just want to be clear, and I want to get it on the record here. Um, I really liked this trade, and I thought that this was a smart smart football move by Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule to go out there and find a depressed asset and, and go out and get it. Like, this is this is what you – this is – like, it reminded me of, like, a fantasy football trade of, like, a guy that's been bad the past couple weeks, uh, and you're just like, hey, man, I'll take, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take Zeke off your hands. I guess Zeke is a bad example because he just scored two touchdowns. But, like, I, you know, uh, the guy, like, I'll take him off your hands. I know you don't like the Cowboys. Like, come on, I'll, I'll give you Adam Thielen for him. And then it's like – and then all of a sudden your team's awesome because you, you got this depressed asset. That, that willingness to, though, to pick up the phone and make those calls real. Like, think about this from Scott Fitter's perspective. Like, you have J.C. Horn go down. Matt Rule and David Tepper come to you going, ah, first-round picks, to week three of the NFL season. What you got in store for us? How about another top ten pick? <laughs> what? Nice job, Fitty. Well done, sir. Like, that is way better than the answer that, that Tepper and Rule thought they were going to get when they went into that, that meeting. <laughs> um, let's talk about Dallas for a minute. Uh, do you guys, and I, like, I'll just be frank here, do you think that the Panthers can come out of Dallas with a win? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I actually, I'm probably going to end up, I do my video every Wednesday, uh, or no, every Thursday. Um, it comes out Fridays. I'm probably going to end up picking the Panthers over Dallas. You know, I think their defense is high. I think they can make the Cowboys one-dimensional and uh, make Dak throw it a lot. And I think their pass rush is good enough to get after him. And like you said, you know, he, Dak was under duress uh, against the Eagles. And, you know, that's where the Panthers specialize. So I think they can. I don't think it'll be a blowout or any by any means. I think it'll be a close game. And Dallas can easily beat the Panthers. But I think the Panthers might end up taking this. The defense is going to have to play well. We're going to say that we're going to say that a whole bunch, but I think particularly in this one to try and keep the score down because what we're talking about with Sammy, I, I don't. Are we going to see Sammy, you know, cut loose, or are we still going to see them trying to work him in a little bit? And if they're still trying to keep him, you know, doing that with the weapons Dallas has got, the defense is absolutely, and, and they're going to not have to have those easy touchdowns. Those big blowups where you, you know you just you know mess up a coverage or something like that, and I and they certainly played well enough. I I, I feel like when a de- when a unit is playing well as this defensive team is, like you get the you get the Thursday game. I, in my mind, they were all watching last night's game together or on a text chain watching the game, going, "All right, we we got something for these guys." I feel like those extra days and the ability to watch them play last night on a national stage, I think they'll be amped up, and then. But on the contrary, Dallas, 
a one o'clock game on a Sunday, fall on a prime time Sunday, they've got a short week. So jump on them early and defense plays well. The defense gets a chance to play with the lead. Yeah, they can win this game for sure. Do you picture them like all at one guy's house or like, are they all on like a zoom? Like how, how do you think this, the, the team theoretically, why in your minds, in your, in your mind palace? Yeah. Where my did, mind palace, they like the game? one guy, you know, like Derek Brown brought the pizza, you know, somebody brought the wings. We, you know, we got, we got sodas and appropriate beverages coming from, from one guy. We have a nice spread, healthy beverages. Phil snows in the backyard, just pumping some iron pregame force. <laughs> um, and the guys are just, the guys are just hanging out on, on like those awesome big leather couches, maybe some stadium seating at one of these nice homes, and, and, and just just having a good grand old time watching football and talking smack about what they're going to do on Sunday. Who do you think is in my mind palace, of course? Yeah, Christian. Yeah, Christian's castle is great. Yeah. Is it's a really good idea? Is Olivia there? Probably. I mean, in my in my mind palace, she's definitely there. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> if I get okay. to imagine the okay, scenario, Papa. she's in. So- she's there. <laughs> Somewhere on story 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, who do you think can eat the most uh, chicken wings on the Carolina Panthers roster right now? Bravion Roy. Ah, that was my, that, that was my guess too. I also think that you don't want to like sleep on, um, on somebody like Matt Paradis. Like I feel like Matt Paradis, it just like, just is like a machine just continues to eat. Like he's a, he's a big boy. Yeah. Yeah. These are offensive linemen can definitely eat. I mean, they have to eat. Like that, so I wouldn't be surprised. Matt Paradis is a good choice. Uh, who else? Dennis Daly. I was trying to yeah. think if there's somebody that was an alignment, and I'm I'm struggling. Like one of those sneaky, skinny guys that can just eat anything he wants, and then you know, never does again. JJ, J- think- does Jansen count as a as a lineman? Because I I don't know if he I don't know if he could put him down, but like, would it shock you if like after Dilworth Little League, he's like at uh, at Ed's Tavern just with just 80 wings in front of him. 30. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely surprise me. Is 30 a lot? 30 seems like a lot. Is that not a lot? Is that that's but a lot of wings? If you're yeah. dipping, if you're dipping every wing, that's a lot of wings. Yeah. That's fifth that's 15 chickens. So just to be clear. <laughs> 15 chickens had to uh had to die. Um I, I think that um so the the other thing is like that a lot of fans talk about is they talk about the national media and getting respect for the Carolina Panthers because for the next four days, like I've already seen people, fans reacting, saying that the Panthers aren't getting any respect. They're um, like the national media is just blowing by thinking this is an automatic win for the Cowboys. And um, I'll I'll be, do you think that, you know, on a national stage, they have to win this thing, this game to kind of make that jump up to, um, to being respected uh, throughout the NFL? Uh, in some ways, uh, I think it'll certainly help. And even then, I don't think, unless they won decisively, even then, I think some people will still have their doubts. So it makes some, you know, excuse up. And that's just usually how it is. Um, and it's usually by people who don't really watch, <laughs> uh, you know, the Panthers, you know, as much as like we do. Um, and, then, and then I'll admit from my side, I don't watch other teams as much as, you know, they probably do. But... I think winning this game will certainly help because people, a lot of people are watching Dallas. So it'll turn some heads if the Pens come win this game. I'm so glad this wasn't mailed in by a listener because this may be the, the absolute worst week in the history of NFL football to ask this question as we prepare for Brady v. Belichick. 
yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of room for the three and O Panthers in this week's coverage of the NFL. That's just the reality of, of what's going on this week. That's a good point. That's a good point. And also, yeah. I think that the do you to me it feels better if the Panthers are flying under the radar for as long as they possibly can. Like last last year, Jonathan, you probably remember this, right? They were three and two, and they went in and they had the Bears and Nick Foles, and everybody was like, "Here come the Panthers!" They won three straight, and uh, they they went out and they were terrible. They laid an egg. Uh, they I think they were down twenty. They didn't score a touchdown until the late in the fourth quarter. Um, they were down twenty to six, something like that. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater basically came out and was like, "You know, the, this game humbled a lot of the guys on this team." because they were kind of reading their own press clippings and they were kind of, their head was getting too big. And I do wonder if on a young team that can be a problem. Um, that, that will be, I, that will be a worry as this team continues to win games, whether they win on Sunday, they're probably going to win either against Philadelphia or Minnesota or the giants. Like they're going to have a, they're going to have a winning record here in the net for the next few weeks. And so I, I, that does worry me a little bit of a young team kind of starting to get there, starting to, to feel themselves a little bit. Yeah, and that's true. But, you know, I think the difference between this team and the previous teams is, you know, or the last year's team is, you know, they went through that, so they have knowledge of that. Plus, you know, the Panthers have some veterans like Daquan Jones and, and Hassan Reddick now that they didn't have last year to kind of reel them in. And now Ryan Burns knows what that's like. Shaq Thompson, you know, knows about that. So I think having those extra pieces, you know, and, and that learning experience from last year, um, wouldn't worry me, but it's always definitely in the fire under the radar because then you're not playing with this much pressure as as you would be if all eyes were. On I'll you. be thoroughly disappointed if they have to relearn that lesson just a, from a year ago. Um, but as far as the relevance question, this team will be doubted until at least week 17 because they won't play Tampa Bay until week 15 and they won't play them again until week 17. So the only way that this team gets relevance in the national perspective is to be the top team in the NFC South, which they will not be, even if they have that via record. It will be Tampa Bay's division, and rightly so, as the defending Super Bowl champions, until you have a chance to go step on the field and beat them. So everything else, when you play all these other teams, yes, there's tiebreaker implications potentially down the line, but as far as the national perspective is, the NFC South gets one team, and that team is and will remain the Bucks until you beat them. Fair. That's fair. Um, I'm, I assume you mean the second place in the NFC South, Tampa Bay Bucks, but whatever. Um, uh, I think that uh, I want to talk to – Usually we play a game at the end of the podcast, but usually that game is led by Nikki Wolf, and Nikki is not here. And so instead of a game, we are going to do a recurring segment that we have done in the past, and now is the perfect time to do it because up until about two weeks ago, Jonathan Alexander was also not just the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers. He was kind of the beat writer for the Charlotte Hornets as well. So welcome to the first <laughs> edition of the 2021 Hornets Corner Jonathan, are you excited for this Hornet season coming up? 
I am, to be honest with you, you know. I kind of step back and not be a beat writer and just kind of watch for fun. And I just love LaMelo Ball. Like, I was I was all for drafting LaMelo Ball um, when that opportunity was there. I didn't think the Hornets were going to have the opportunity to, but they did. And I think LaMelo is an exciting player, and he's going to be even better in year two. You get Terry Rozier back. You get Gordon. Hopefully Gordon is healthy. You never know with that guy. Um, but then you got Kelly Oubre, who's going to add a spark off the bench. I think the Hornets going to be better, and I like the rookies too. Um, so I am excited. October 4th, so close. That's the first preseason game. I do believe October 20th, the season starts at home against the Pacers, who drugged this team in that playoff play-in round uh, last, at the end of last season. And these guys have remembered it, I think. October 20th of this season will be one of the most electric crowds Charlotte has seen in a long time. This team is different, guys. This team is in a different place uh, than we, we've seen. We have never had a Kai Jones before. You know, we've not we've not had a James Booknight, a, a young up-and-coming shooting guard, not to mention, you know, LaMelo and all the other guys. I'm I'm in the bag for this team. I think they've I think they've got an energy. I think they. I think they've got a camaraderie going. Terry Rozier's taken care of. There's no internal strife. Again, yes, health is going to be key. But if this team is healthy, this team will win 50 games this season. I do believe that. Wow. I. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I, what I really like about this team is the sw- is. I, I, I hate. I hesitate to use the word because I'm going to sound dumb, but uh, like a 40 year old dad. But the swagger that this team brings to the court is just like it it's like almost unmatched like like you talk about these like like league pass teams that that people want to watch like everybody wants to watch the Charlotte Hornets you you have LaMelo you have Miles now you add book you add more excitement in book night and Kai Jones who's like a young Giannis who can't control us with like a deer learning how to walk um but like the the what they're going to do on the court I think they're going to be almost like this Panthers defense is like they're going to be very, very exciting, and there are going to be times when they make mistakes and they don't look in the right place. But I think they are so young and they're so like fresh and exciting that I agree. the 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 home opener is going to be incredible, insane. I I cannot wait for that game because um, it's just going to be you know it, it, electric is the right word for it. Yeah, I, I think this, that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, my my question is, uh, do you think that? Terry is the leader of this team, right, and not Gordon? I think that's fair. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, he, he led the, the kind of gathering or the workouts in Miami. Um, he was the guy who kind of spearheaded, you know, this motion to get together and be together all offseason. Um, and that's, you know, that's something James Borrego likes, and I would definitely say he's a leader. And this this group, they seem like a tremendous you know group of young men that they've assembled over there. There's not there's not like the one, you know, thorny guy. That, you know, it seems like everybody, you know, gets along well. And one of the reasons I'm I'm so bullish on their win total is there's a lot of guys that that are going to want to prove themselves this year. There's a lot of mouths to feed, and I think on any given night, this team is going to find a unit, and James Brego is going to be able to find a unit that's got that energy, and they're going to compete night in and night out. I, I, I it's been a long time since I've been this excited about a team. I don't think they're obviously at that top level yet. They're a young team that's growing, but I, there's every reason to be optimistic and, and to hear the Hornets tell that's what they're seeing too. I mean, this team is top five 
you know, a new new season ticket sales. They're moving tickets. There's, there's we got a superstar here, and none of us have seen him. Basically, it's it's incredible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We do have a we do have a superstar here, and Colin, I'm sure as you can attest, this feels like what it felt like when Cam Newton was coming off of his rookie year when he was so electric and had brought the Panthers to this national stage and LaMelo Ball has done the same thing with the Hornets. And, and you know, I, I, I don't think I'm alone in saying that I absolutely love that GQ article. It was everything I wanted from Tyler Ricky Tynes and from, the, and from LaMelo himself. I loved himself. it too. It was incredible. <laughs> I loved it too. I don't, I don't understand why people would think somebody would be upset about ops. I thought it was incredible too. <laughs> The, the ending certainly has was a, great. Yeah, yep. yeah, the ending was it was very strong, and he's got an energy, but he is you know more soft spoken. He and James Booknight seem to have a very similar energy, but Booknight is the more outspoken one, and and I'm excited to see that that dynamic um, play out because you know I I, I I don't know I'm just so I, I'm so there seems like there's so much potential on this roster, and but at the same time a commitment and professionalism that that's that the veterans of these young guys buying in the coaches and buying in. Uh, I just, there's not been a better time. I don't think since this, this team has been back to be, to be a Hornets fan. Completely agree. And uh, you know, I, I'm excited for LaMelo to find that joy that cam found once he had found his footing as a, as an NFL player, because I do think there was, there was the same kind of like, not uh trepidation but like that same kind of feeling that when he was a rookie of just like well like here i am i'm i'm real i'm good at this but also like i'm not quite who i am like i don't i'm not i'm not showing as much of my personality as i can and i think Lamelo was doing the same thing last year um to try and almost to try and prove himself that he could do it at this level so i, I i'm just i'm can't wait for the season to start um and uh and if you guys are hornets fans check out the crown club crown club clt um, the Roaring Riot for the Charlotte Hornets, uh, Roaring Riot and Bring Back the Buzz teamed up to bring a uh, fan supporter group to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, pre-game parties before all the games, including the opener, and also doing some road games, going to Atlanta. It, it's going to be awesome. I, I'm really excited um, uh, for Hornet season, for the Crown Club, for everything. So check that out. That's at crownclubclt.com. I did my plug a little bit early, but Jonathan, where can folks find you on the internet and uh, in real life and in print? Uh, you can find me um, on Twitter at J-O-N John M. Alexander or Instagram, John M. Alexander underscore, or you can read my work on Charlotte Observer dot com slash sports and look on the Carolina Panthers section tab. Uh, well, you can Google me. But uh, thanks. Support local journalism and also. Um, uh, I didn't know. I I'm gonna follow you on Instagram. I'm definitely a, a big fan of your Twitter, so I'll uh, I'll make sure I get over there on Instagram. Are you more of a stories guy or a, a feed guy? A uh, stories guy for sure. Yeah. I, I vacillate back and forth. Now it's just all pictures of my daughter on, on the feed. But the, story, <laughs> the story ends up being things that I'm eating. Colin. You guys are where, speaking a foreign language. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Where, where <laughs> story people, stuff. Where are people finding you? Uh, people, are, people are not finding me at Colin CLT on Twitter. But if you have a question, I'll give you an answer. But there you go. That I mean, you can't ask for anything else on Twitter. If you have a question, Colin is going to give you an answer. Make sure it's about his favorite ice cream to topping. 
and um, <laughs> how many wings he can eat in one sitting. This has been One Day Contract, a proud part of the Riot Network. Uh, join the Crown Club. Join the Roaring Riot. Come with us to Dallas. Come with us to uh, come to the tailgate uh, on in a couple weeks against Philly, against Minnesota. The last few weeks have been electric. If you, if you are a Panthers fan, and you obviously are because you're listening to One Day Contract, you're listening to a Panthers podcast, and you've gotten all the way to the end, Go and see a game with other people. Go to a bar and watch the game with your friends um, or invite some folks over, sit six feet apart, get a home gate and box and do it, do it socially distance style. Um, there are many ways for you to experience the Panthers game. You do not have to be a Panthers fan alone and everything football and sports are better with your friends. Jonathan Alexander, thank you so much. Your one day contract is up. snakes and I also like my new things that I like I like it when we talk credits. I'm just saying it helps. Hanging out with people is cool, but being 3-0 is cool too.